Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, I would like to ask you to stay with me. It'll be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration. A little bit of education all done without any manipulation because we don't have hidden agendas. That's right. We're not trying to solicit any money from you. We're not trying to ask you to join anything. The only thing I would like to do is give you accurate information. Information from the scriptures, from the Bible, the word of God that may help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if I can do that. You always have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. But my job is not to preach to you, not to yell at you, but just to talk to you simply and give you the promises, the procedures, the principles that are found in the Bible that guarantee that you can have the most phenomenal life you've ever thought about, a life even beyond your dreams. There is a life, a life God has designed for you. And it is possible for you to live a life free of stress, free of worry, free of bitterness. It's possible to live a life that is an amazing life right here in the middle of the devil's world. It's called the Christian life. It's a unique lifestyle, and it saw it revolves around learning those 10 unique problem-solving devices that we call the flat line, the forward line of troops. Ten unique problem-solving devices found in the Bible. These are not any new discovery or any new breakthroughs. These are age-old biblical concepts. But they're put in a way that you can understand how the Christian life works. The flat line deals with you understanding, first of all and foremost, that the spiritual life will not operate in the energy of the flesh. It requires the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we have seen the mandate in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. And we know that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit, according to the Scriptures, and we know that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. But when we sin, we don't lose the indwelling, we don't lose the sealing, we lose the filling, because we quench and thus grieve the Holy Spirit. And there are two negative mandates in the Bible that tell us don't quench, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's there. Ephesians 4.30 is one of them. And the Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God. First Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Spirit of God. So those two negative mandates tell us that we are not to quench or grieve the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the reason is because the Christian life won't work in the energy of the flesh. The amazing thing is very few churches would even say anything about the filling of the Holy Spirit to their people that come to church on Sunday. Very seldom would anybody ever tell you, and I'll just assume the role of a pastor, they they wouldn't say, if you're seated here today with known sin in your life, You're quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit, and you're not going to get anything out of this service. Have you ever heard a pastor say that? They just don't say that. They just don't teach it. And thus, what happens is so many people who love the Lord, 
and who want to please God wind up doing all the right things in the wrong way. They violate the protocol plan of God because they do all of the nice, good Christian deeds they do in the energy of the flesh. They give money, they sing in the choir, they go to church, they go to Sunday school, they do anything. But they, if they don't understand the filling of the Holy Spirit, then they're doing it from the old sin nature's area of strength. Even people that aren't Christians go to church. Even that people that aren't Christians can give money. Even people that aren't Christians pray. And so the Christian life is designed to operate only under the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're born, you are born physically dead. I mean, physically alive, but spiritually dead. You have a body. Yes, you do. And you have a soul. Yes. But you do not have a human spirit. Your human spirit is dead. You're spiritually dead. But when you believe in Christ and receive him as your Savior, God the Holy Spirit indwells your human spirit, and you are born again, spiritually and it's in the human spirit where the Holy Spirit operates. Without the Holy Spirit's ministry to the human spirit, you cannot live the Christian life. You can't function in the Christian life. You can do things that Christians do, and you may look like you're doing all the right things, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, we find out what is the difference between wood hay, and stubble, and gold, silver, and precious stones. The wood, hay, and stubble, that's all the good things you did without the filling of the Holy Spirit from the energy of your flesh. But the gold, the silver, and the precious stones, those are all the good things you did while filled with the Holy Spirit, produced in the power of the Spirit. That's what God can accept. He will never accept human good. He will never be satisfied with your efforts to please him. And you can never buy God off. You can never buy God off. He's not for sale. Regardless of how good you are, regardless of how much you promise that you're going to do this or do God can't be bought off. He's not impressed with how good you are. The only thing God is impressed with is his perfect righteousness. And the only way you can have fellowship with God is to have the absolute same perfect righteousness. And you cannot manufacture that. The only way you can get that perfect righteousness, as the Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. It only comes through faith in Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive him as your Savior, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you. Thus, you have equivalent righteousness with God. God is impressed with that. And God will impute down the grace pipeline many, many blessings to the righteousness of Christ in your life. Because when God looks at you as a Christian, he sees Christ in you. That's your standing. That's why you're brought into the family and made heir to all that Christ is heir to. 
because of the righteousness of Christ in you. And you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. And that's why the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man would brag about it. You can't do it on your own. So as we go through the flat line and we talk about the unique problem-solving devices, the very first one is the filling of the Holy Spirit, or what we call rebound. Rebound is the procedure in which you reclaim the filling of the Spirit after you sin. After you sin, you have obviously quenched the Holy Spirit and grieved the Holy Spirit, thus you have to rebound. And that's 1 John 1, 9, where it says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. So rebound is you going to God and admitting your sin to God. And the forgiveness is God purifying you from that sin. When you rebound, the quenching and the grieving of the Holy Spirit is removed, and the Holy Spirit is back in control. So the question I want to ask you right now, this very moment, as you're listening to me this Sunday morning, wherever you are, it's a legitimate question for me to ask you this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer should be yes. And I would say, well, how do you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And you would look at me and say, because I have no unconfessed sin in my life. That's how you know it. So if you go to church with no unconfessed sin in your life, then you're going under the filling of the Holy Spirit. And whenever the Word of God is taught, then the Holy Spirit can pick up the Word of God and transfer that into your soul so that now you have an objective understanding about what was taught. And now you have a choice to make. Will you apply it and live by it? Or will you put it on the back burner and reject it? If you apply it, it becomes wisdom. If you reject it, it's just another way of saying, I got some human knowledge, but I didn't get any application. So the Holy Spirit is critical on the flat line. You can't operate without the filling of the Holy Spirit, problem-solving device. Number two, you can't have the filling of the Holy Spirit without rebound, problem-solving device. Number one, and you cannot operate in the Christian life without the faith rest drill, problem-solving device. Number three, and this is what we've seen our Lord Jesus Christ use in Matthew 4. In the series we've been studying on going it alone or evidence testing, our Lord was led into the wilderness to be tested by the devil, and he used the faith rest drill to pass that test. He was led into the wilderness by means of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I identified how the Holy Spirit would lead you. I told you that there is a... Um, directive will of God for your life. Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is a directive will of God for your life. There is something that God wants you to think. There is his permissive will. This is where God allows us to mess up because that's the only way we can learn. We learn the hard way. 
And then there is even the overruling will where God delivers us from self-destruction. So the directive will of God, what does he want you to do with your life? The permissive will of God, he allows you to do some dumb things so you can learn the hard way. And the overruling will of God where he protects you and keeps you alive, even though Satan may want to destroy you. We also saw last week that there's a geographical will of God about where God wants you to be. There's a viewpoint will of God about what does God want you to think. And we saw the operational will of God about what does God want you to do. What does he want you to do today? And what does he want you to do with your life for the rest of your life? All of these things are learned and seen and understood by means of the Word of God. As you learn it, as you're taught the Word of God, you learn it and you apply it into your life. The question we brought up was our Lord Jesus Christ knew definitely that he was being led by the Holy Spirit. But how would you know if, in fact, you were being led by Satan, not the Holy Spirit? but that Satan was leading you to do something. He is alive and well on planet Earth, as the book says. And Satan can even act as a minister. He can quote scripture as he did to our Lord Jesus Christ. So how would you know if Satan was trying to lead you away from the plan of God? I told you last Sunday that you would be tempted to compromise all of your core beliefs. Those core beliefs are found in the royal family honor code. There is an honor code that Christians live by. That honor code is that we live by truth and integrity. We use our impersonal love to love the unlovable people, and we operate under grace orientation. We don't uh, play games or have gimmicks or use God to raise money or sell anything. That's not the way we operate. That's not the royal family honor code. So the honor code is a wonderful code of ethics that Christians live by. And I could teach you a lot of hours on that. This is not a show about the honor code, so I just gave you about a a two or three minute synopsis of what it is. But that's the first thing. You would be tempted to compromise your core values your core beliefs. This is how Satan can neutralize you. He can lead you to the place that you don't need to be, and he can neutralize you. If he were trying to lead you to do something, you would be tempted to ignore the divine precedence of the Christian life. Now, it's kind of hard to ignore what you don't know, so you should know the 10 unique problem-solving devices. If you don't, please order the book. Please get it. It's free. Christian Problem Solving. Just write to me. Uh, Go to the ministry page, rickhughesministries.org, and you can order Christian Problem Solving. Or we just write to Post Office Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 356. And we'll send you that book free. It lists all 10 of those unique problem-solving devices. This is not original to me. My pastor came up with these things years ago, and I have his authorization to repeat it and to share it with you. 
He'd be happy for me to do that. And so if you'd like to learn it, if you don't know it, you order that book. We keep going over those 10 problem-solving devices because that's how the Christian life functions. The first three we've seen today, rebound, the filling of the Spirit, and the faith rest drill. So if Satan were going to lead you, he would tempt you to ignore those 10 problem-solving devices. And uh, the third thing is you would be tempted to satisfy your immediate urges. You know, you have a conscience, and in your conscience are norms and standards, things that have been established as protectors of your soul. And if Satan were leading you to do something, he would want you to ignore your norms and your standards, override your conscience, fulfill the lust of the flesh. And people have different lust patterns. Not everybody lusts for sex. Not everybody lusts for drugs. A lot of people lust for power. A lot of people lust for attention. A lot of people lust for a lot of different things. And so understand, when you're using the word lust, you're not just talking about sex. It could be power lust, approbation lust. It could be money lust, drug lust, alcohol lust. Comes in a lot of different packages. But it's what the old sin nature will use to enslave you with and trap you under the flesh. That's not how God designed you to live. He designed you to live under the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Satan would tempt you to satisfy those immediate urges and to quench the Spirit in your life. Thus, the Spirit would be grieved. The fourth process is he would tempt you to believe a lie. And the lie is human viewpoint thinking. The Bible tells you in Ephesians 5.17, Do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord. If you're going to understand the will of the Lord, you have to learn the mind of Christ. And that's why the Bible says in Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 2.16, the Bible is called the mind of Christ. And thus Jesus our Lord said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn. That's how you get it. You learn. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. The Bible says, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're not going to live the life you learn and study and grow. But if you don't, if you operate on emotion, if you ignore the need to learn God's word consistently, you will be easily duped into thinking that you are doing a right thing and you'll wind up doing it in the wrong way. It'll be energy of the flesh and it'll be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. You should consider that seriously. If Satan were leading you to do something, you would be tempted to justify self. All the arrogant skills play into play here. You cannot have the filling of the Holy Spirit and self-justification at the same time. Self-justification is just part of the arrogant skills because we have self-absorption and we have self-deception. It's all part of the concept of arrogance, and arrogance is our greatest enemy 
because arrogance doesn't let us see ourselves as we truly are. When we look into the mirror, we see what we think we are. That's what arrogance does. And we can justify why it's okay to do something. The Lord could have justified why it was okay to turn the rock into bread because he was hungry. And it really wouldn't have been a sin, right? Wrong. Or the Lord could have justified why it was okay to throw himself off of the highest pinnacle in Jerusalem, as we'll see in a minute. He could have justified that. It'll prove to Satan who I am once and for all. But Satan didn't need proof. He already knew who he was. So self-justification is one of the greatest enemies to the Christian because we justify why we don't have to do certain things, why we don't have to obey God, why it's okay to sin, why it's okay to take a shortcut, why it's okay to ignore the scriptures. Satan is leading you if you do that. And Satan, if he were leading you, he would tempt you to seek revenge, to violate the royal family honor code, disregard impersonal love. The, the Bible tells you in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, you're never to disregard impersonal love. Be kind to one another, to be gentle to one another. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians. Don't seek revenge. I want to go to this passage for you just for a minute. You may uh, hear the zipper on my Bible opening here as I open this. I want to go to Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I, I talk about this quite a bit when I'm in school speaking. And uh, this is something that a lot of students have to deal with. It says, let all bitterness, let all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you along with your malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I find it amazing that God can forgive you and yet there are a few people right now in your life you can't forgive. There are people in, in your life you still hate because they did you wrong. You harbor grudges against them. I got a few in my family like that, too, that, I, you know, I kind of think if I got to spend eternity with them in heaven, I don't want them to crowd me right now. You know what I mean? So yeah, I understand that. But we're not allowed to carry bitterness. We're not allowed to have a grudge. We're not allowed to seek revenge. But yet, if Satan leads you, that's what he would lead you to do. If Satan is leading you, you will find yourself outside the plan of God looking in. And you did it by choice. There's a verse in the Bible in Revelation 3.20 where our Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Any man will hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him and sup with him. That's the believer who has put Christ out of his life. He is not filled with the Spirit. And that's our Lord's invitation to let him back in. It doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means you've broken fellowship with God. You did it by choice. You moved on. Maybe you left the church. Maybe you got mad because the pastor did something or didn't pay attention to you or did something that you didn't like. And you found yourself outside looking in. No matter how far you advance in the Christian life, 
You've been saved 20 years, 10 years, 15 years. Don't lose sight of grace, orientation, and humility. Because you've got to remember something. God does not need you. He was in business operating well before you got here. And he will still be in business operating when you're long gone. So it's not about you. And it's not about the little niche you've carved out for yourself. It's about God's grace and the opportunity you have to enjoy it and to serve him while you're here. So vulnerability comes with advance and with comfort. The more you advance in the Christian life, the more God blesses you and the more comfort you enjoy, the greater the opportunity for you to fail. It's always like that, and it's always there. The second test that Jesus faced in the wilderness was in Matthew 4, 5, and this is when Satan took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, and he is, he knew that, then throw yourself down, for it is written, and now Satan's going to quote a scripture, but he's going to twist the meaning of it. It is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He's quoting Psalm 91, 11 and 12. And then our Lord's <clears throat> response is saying this. Deuteronomy six sixteen. our Lord quotes, Do not tempt the Lord your God. You see, Satan was trying to twist the scripture to get the Lord Jesus Christ to test God. This test, this temptation, was to cause Jesus Christ to act independently of God's plan by testing God. We never test God. I mean, come on. Would God actually rescue you if you walked across the busy interstate in your city? Would he have all the cars stop and some of them miss you completely? You go walking across the busy interstate in your city, you're probably going to get run over by an 18-wheeler. So don't think that you can test God like that. And can you imagine how ridiculous our Lord Jesus Christ would have looked if he had jumped off the pinnacle? Satan would have died laughing. And do you see how ridiculous you look sometime when you jump into some goofy scheme claiming God led you to do it? I hear that all the time. People say, I prayed about it. I think this is what God wants me to do. J. Vernon McGee, the famous Bible teacher, once said, I actually feel fatigue when I talk to some people who say they're going to step out on faith. Oh, my friend, wait until God puts a rock underneath you before you make a fool of yourself and bring criticism upon the cause of Christ. It's very wise advice, very good advice. Because if there's any one thing Satan will attempt to do, he will lead you away from God's plan. He will distract you from the Word of God. And he will make you think you are actually doing wonderful things for God because you're busy at work in the energy of the flesh. I hope you're listening. I hope you're learning. And I hope you'll come back next week. This is Rick Hughes, host of The Flatline, saying thank you for being with me today. 
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.